Saint Teresa of Avila was born on March 28, 1515, in Avila, Spain. Her father, Alonso de Cepeda, was a wealthy Jewish merchant, although their family lacked social status because of the Inquisition's disparaging treatment to those of Jewish heritage. Teresa of Avila defies the stereotypical somber persona often depicted of saints and mystics. Her writings are full of humor, self-depreciation, and joy. Stories about her life passed down through the years depict a vivacious woman full of as much wit and playfulness as mystical insight. In the book Enduring Grace, Living Portraits of Seven Women Mystics, author Carol Lee Flinders begins her chapter on Teresa with this story. On the morning Teresa of Avila was leaving her home to join a convent, a gentleman saw her climbing into the carriage and could not resist making an appreciative assessment of her ankles. Take a good look, she is said to have called out merrily and cryptically, for she had not told anyone but her brother she was going. That's the last one you'll get. One of my favorite stories of Teresa recounts a time when she was on her way back to her convent during a terrible rainstorm. She slipped down an embankment and fell face first into a puddle of mud. Raising herself from the ground, she looked toward heaven and shouted, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. Teresa's extroverted and charming temperament didn't seem to fit the order of Spanish Carmelite nuns to which she eventually belonged. As she confesses in her autobiography, she first entered the convent out of fear of the weakness of her own character and what might become of her if she remained in the world. Teresa was physically beautiful and was good at gaining the admiration of men, which she apparently enjoyed. She was a skilled cook, an avid reader, and held a deep passion for words, metaphors, and conversation. Her early years depict a deep zeal for the faith, even leading her to run away from home, pursuing martyrdom at the young age of seven. However, as years passed, her passion waned and she became more interested in fashion and romance than spiritual pursuits. She said, I looked more to pleasing my sensuality and vanity than to what was good for my soul. Around the age of 13, Teresa's mother died, leaving behind ten children and a deep void in her life. It was then, we are told, Teresa sought solace in Mother Mary. Her father, recognizing her need for guidance, sent her to a nearby convent where she stayed for nearly two years until sickness forced her to leave. At the age of twenty, against her father's wishes, Teresa returned to the convent. Teresa was an independent thinker and didn't conform to the accepted norms of her day. And this independence would prove to serve her well in later years of her life when she would become an advocate for young women in a time when women's voices were not readily heard. She said in her autobiography, Just being a woman is enough for my wings to fall off. Although her society may have clipped the wings of its women, not permitting women to teach or even to share their thoughts concerning spiritual matters, Teresa went against the grain and became a leader and reformer of her day. 
But the years following her entrance into the convent would be marked by severe bouts with sickness and spiritual lethargy. Several times she had to leave the convent or be taken care of by family members and those around her. At one point, she fell into a coma and was thought to be dead until after four days she miraculously recovered. Entering the convent had brought her a deep sense of joy, knowing she was where she belonged. Although for a long period of time, she loathed the hour of prayer and felt so depressed that she had to summon all of her courage to even make herself pray at all. Then after 18 years, at the age of 39, Teresa had an encounter that so radically changed her life, some have called it a second conversion. One day, Teresa entered the chapel as usual and came upon a sculpture of the suffering Christ, which had been borrowed for a special celebration. When she looked upon this artistic depiction of Christ in his sufferings, she was deeply moved and became distressed at her own spiritual mediocrity. So well did it picture what he suffered for us, she said. I felt so keenly aware of how poorly I thanked him for those wounds that it seems to me broke my heart. Beseeching him to strengthen me once and for all that I might not offend him, I threw myself down before him with the greatest outpouring of tears. Following this encounter, Teresa began experiencing a series of visions and spiritual ecstasies which would mark the remainder of her life's work. She entered a time of renewed friendship and intimacy with God, which led to the reformation of her Carmelite order, as well as founding multiple other monasteries and spiritual communities. She had been awakened to the spiritual mediocrity of her order and sought to revitalize a more genuine spiritual practice among them. Teresa addressed her nuns in extensive spiritual writings which described her mystical encounters in detail and by them sought to help others embark on an authentic spiritual pilgrimage from complacency to union with God. In perhaps what is her most well-known vision, Teresa describes encountering an angel with a burning face and a long spear of gold. The angel pierced her heart with the tip of its fiery spear, and then when he drew it out, she was left on fire with a great love for God. But mystical experiences as these have always been met with skepticism, and especially during her time, people were burned at the stake for claiming visions from God. It was a serious work to prove yours weren't the product of the devil. But Teresa said, I don't fear Satan as much as I fear people who fear Satan. Although for a time she tried to keep her experiences a secret, she became well known for them and thus sought to explain and validate the visions in her writings. Teresa's writings, like so many of the revolutionary voices during this time period, would become suspicious of heresy. Her autobiography remained in custody of the Inquisition for 13 years. Then seven years after her death, certain theologians suggested that her books should all be burned. Her writings were repeatedly questioned by church leaders who expressed concern for this outspoken woman who was not always compliant with the orthodoxy of the church. 
But Teresa continued to press on and continued to gain influence among her devoted followers. Teresa's encounters with God renewed and revitalized her waning spiritual life and enabled her to be gracious to those at different stages along the journey. She knew spiritual development takes time and had the grace and patience for this lengthy process. In fact, she said, God is on the journey with us too. And she said, if then you sometimes fall, do not lose heart or cease striving to make progress. For even out of your fall, God will bring good. Just as a man selling an antidote will drink poison before he takes it in order to prove its power. Her book, Interior Castles, which is now considered one of the cornerstone writings of mystical theology, takes the reader through a series of seven stages leading to union with God. In each stage, the soul progresses through a castle made like a diamond or crystal and full of many rooms. This, like most of Teresa's writings, uses metaphors and poetic imagery often departing from traditional religious symbolism. She speaks of bees and beehives, of gardens and aqueducts and palaces. Teresa's relationship with God was one of deep friendship and transparency, never hiding or holding back the truth of her disposition. She would question God and ask Him to help her when she was struggling or didn't understand the elaborate visions. Is this not of you, God? She would ask. She spoke to God personally, wrestled with God, and in the end surrendered to her intuition of His leading. She told her spiritual directors that she felt God's presence was with her everywhere now, in the mundane, sweeping the floors as much as in times of prayer. And when they asked her how she knew He was there, she told them, in the dark, when someone is close by, You just know He's there. For Teresa, prayer was a conversation between friends. It wasn't a religious duty imposed upon the pious by compulsion. It was an experience of rapturous joy. I love her statement when she says, God save us from sad saints. When I think of Teresa's life, I'm encouraged that spiritual depth doesn't equate cold piety. And friendship with God doesn't mean sterile conformity. There's a place of friendship and ease that marks healthy spirituality. It is a place where prayer becomes conversation and spiritual practice simply means spending time with the one we love. And even for her who had bound her life to a cloistered environment set apart to seeking God, the exteriors offered little to transform her interior castle. As Thomas Merton says in his book, New Seeds of Contemplation, the only one who can teach me to find God is God Himself alone. To conclude this short biography on the life of Teresa of Avila, I'll leave you with this. I often think about how Teresa spent 20 years fighting through her own physical sickness and spiritual aridity void of a depth of true experience with God and assurance of His presence. And then suddenly one encounter opened up a lifetime of depth and union with God.
perhaps the same is true for many of us today who have been following this crazy and uncertain path of the Spirit for years on end, attending to the things of the Spirit, struggling with our own tendencies towards sensuality and selfish living. Maybe there is an encounter awaiting us even today. Perhaps this moment here is your encounter. Or perhaps there's an encounter through art as Teresa experienced with the sculpture in the chapel. One that would unlock a lifetime of vision, imagination, and intimate union with God. I'll end this artist's profile with the same quote that the author Carol Lee Flinders ended her chapter on Teresa of Avila in her book, Enduring Grace. Who are you? Her beloved had asked her one afternoon. I am Teresa of Jesus, she had murmured. And who are you? I am Jesus of Teresa. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics Artist Profile Series. We'll return next week with another full interview episode. Please follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on iTunes.